And I think the way some people treat the manufacturers, I just don't think they realize what the manufacturer can do to help you and you in return are helping the manufacturer. The Uniformer. Insights and interviews into the people and companies that drive the markets for uniforms, image apparel, and public safety equipment. The Uniformer is a production of the North American Association of Uniform Manufacturers and Distributors, the NAUMD. Hello, welcome to The Uniformer. I am very excited today to be talking with uh, Tom McCauley of Kentucky Uniforms. And Tom uh, and I uh, go way back, (laughs) have known each other quite a long time. And Tom, uh, thanks so much for agreeing to uh, be on the podcast today. I appreciate you inviting me. So Tom, softball question. It's what I ask everyone that comes on the podcast as the first question. So what is what are the activities you do as president of Kentucky Uniforms? What do you do throughout the year or the day? Uh, well, in reality, I guess if you work in a small company or press of a small company, you do everything. I can't, can't do embroidery anymore. At one time I used to do over that. I don't do sewing well at all. But besides that, you know, we, we, have, we end up doing a lot of the purchasing. You know, if the, if the sales floor is covered, you somebody else comes in, you go up there and wait on the salesperson. But yeah, we try to plan out what we're going to do weekly and monthly, and then we'll see how that how how well that gets screwed up from everything way everything's going recently. Best plans, you know. So yeah, we just try to work on that, and then try to make the customer happy. Try to give the best service we can get. Uh, coordinate things. Have uh, we always like to say the good thing about Kentucky uniforms? You can call us up and talk to the same person twice. That means, you know, we make sure that the service people know that we, I mean, we can help, we can help people. And that's what we try to strive with our employees that, you know, we, we do everything we can, can to get service to the customer. I love the phrasing of that. Um, it's a very clever way to say it, that you can call up and get and talk to the same person twice, right? It's uh, it's kind of a twist on it and, and, and it's wonderful. Uh, a uniform dealer, it's always been told to me, that you're in the service business, right? And and because these products aren't necessarily something that others can't sell them, right? They might be available from other suppliers, but at the end of the day, it's the service that that does have them call back and talk to you again or come in that that fifteenth time, correct? Right. It's and every every department seems to have their idiosyncrasies of where they put their patch, what they want to do. Uh, how they do their dress coats. And those are the things that you have to be able to get and get it right. And we try to get it right the first time. But, you know, I think sometimes the way you judge a company is how fast they correct their mistakes. And we try to do that as fast as possible because we know, and it's hard sometimes not to make a mistake in this industry. We try not to. Some people put the patches on opposite sleeves of everybody else. So you have to make sure when you put it on there, sometimes the the employee thinks somebody else may have made a mistake on us. So we have to strive to make sure we don't make mistakes on things we already know how they should be done, things like that. We have that one white shirt that you might supply, uh, but you're selling it to 10 different departments in 10 different configurations, potentially at 10 different prices, and potentially uh, they have 10 different ways they want to pay for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's very true. And, and we're lucky that we have, a, we have the merchant technologies computer system that's worked really well for us. It's paid for itself, but it's it's not cheap. Don't have to tell you about computer stuff. 
Right, right. No, technology is the, um, I would think, I would assume, one of the only ways you can manage all of those variables that you and I are just, you know, throwing back and forth at each other. And uh, it's almost, it's close to 40 years now, right, that you've uh, been in business? Uh, It's 40 years here. And then there's about 40, well, in reality, I started working for Gauls close to 48 years ago. So, or maybe sooner. So then you left Gauls. Gauls in West Virginia. We opened our own store in West Virginia. Oh, okay. We had West Virginia uniforms. Then we moved back to Lexington and opened Kentucky uniforms and ended up selling West Virginia uniforms. So for a very short time, you had the two locations. Right. Yes, sir. And then you moved back to Lexington and sell West Virginia and solely focus on Kentucky uniforms. Right. And never looked back. No, I don't. If you look back, you're wasting time. I mean, that's a long run, though. I mean, and I'm sure it's going to, you know, be continue. But uh, the point being is that the, many companies don't last uh, one year or 10 years, let alone, you know, 40 years. What do you what do you attribute the success of Kentucky uniforms to? One, I think really it, it you try to meet the customers and get to know them. But also it, it has to do a lot with service. I remember when we first opened in West Virginia, we had like a small business group come by. And they had one thing on the, we had a thing on the wall, you know, where service is king with a picture of a line. And the guy, one of the guys really liked that. But also the one thing he said was, he said, we had four or five people in our quotation marks class, you know, came out and they were doing it for small business. He said, one guy's in marketing, one's in accounting, one's in sales, and one's in administration. He says, you, mean Pat and I, you all do it all. And that was the one thing that they had a hard time comprehending is, you know, we're concentrating on one area. So that's, I guess we just one, but I think the service, if you don't have the service, you don't have to worry about the other thing. And Pat is your wife, Pat. Right. Right. And Pat was there from the beginning. You've been partners all along on it. Yes. And I mean, you know, she does right now, she does mostly in accounting, but when we started at golf, she went on the road, much to the chagrin of Mr. Bloomfield, who kind of didn't know if a woman, a female should be on the road or not and how things have changed. Uh, of course, that was like waving a red flag in front of Pat. The first thing she did was go on the road. Then, <laughs> and it made Mr. Bloomfield very happy. She did very well <laughs> on the road. So, and so, what else besides service has has helped Kentucky uniforms? Do you think over this time? And- we've, we've been lucky to deal with some very good suppliers, and a lot of it depends on uh, you know some of them. There's horse small and Feckheimer, and sometimes they'd pick one dealer over the other one. So you you would pick one and work with them as good as you could. And then I think part of the things that some people don't realize is it's a partnership with these manufacturers. It's not us against them. And I think the way some people treat the manufacturers, I just don't think they realize what the manufacturer can do to help you and you in return are helping the manufacturer. But I just think you have to make sure you have some friends. You, you make sure that if you can't pay a bill on time, you go and tell them, hey, that we're being a little slow. We got, you know, huge account that's holding, holding money up. You, you have to be upfront with them and they seem to be very appreciative when you work with them. But if you kind of don't tell them everything that's going on, they're not, ha- they don't seem to be very happy. <laughs> right. Well, that would break the partnership. I love, I, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're lucky now that uh, we deal with some people like Blyer. They've been very good, good to us and we've worked extremely well with them and their salesperson. So uh, that's worked well with us, of course. Uh, and so we still deal with Fetka. 
you've got these supplier relationships, you've got partnerships with suppliers, you've got, uh, you know, family in the business because now my son's and Dustin's in it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I, I would think uh, a big part of the success as well is that you and Pat and Dustin, you know, uh, nobody cares like the family. Is that, is that a thing? Well, that's very true. Yeah, sure. And you also have, uh, yes, I guess that's, that's the biggest thing because you look out for the, the five or ten dollars that are uh, sometimes people don't think it's a big deal, as they mount up, they're a big deal to you. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, that, that that has a lot to do with it. And then also, we try to spot what's selling, and we try to stock what we sell, and you know, the proverbial stock what you sell and sell what you stock. Stock what you sell, and sell what you stock. Right. I love that. Well, I mean, you know, if it's if you stocked it, you damn well better sell it. <laughs> right. How do you figure out what to stock before it's sold? It's easy, right? It's easy to uh, actually Sam Walton once said it this way. He goes, computers are great. They can tell me exactly what I've sold, but they can't tell me what I could have sold. You know, there's sometimes there's things that you jump in on. You say, this thing's going to be fantastic. And they just don't go. I forgot what one was recently, but yeah, you, you hope that you have a lot more pluses than minuses. And uh, so that's kind of, I forgot what one thing was. You go, you know, I just don't understand this. It just didn't go. The price wasn't bad. And so, yeah, there's, there's certain things sometimes you just, you can't explain. And you just try to get out of it as soon as possible, I guess. How much do you feel is driven by the customers suggesting or requesting versus you seeing and saying, you know what, I think this one will uh, be a winner for this particular group, whether it's hospitals or whether it's public safety or whether it's any of your industrial clients. If the customer's asking for something in particular, it's because they've seen it and they think it's a good product or some another another one of their customers and not their customers another one of their friends have got it and they they that's why they're interested in it so yeah you have to better be conscious of what they ask for and then sometimes you know you go well this is i can tell this is not going to go over or this is the individual likes it but i know darn well the chief i hate it so you don't want to get yeah you have to make sure you you know who the who the real purchaser are and who's the real customer is i know we were looking to get some quotation marks shoes that the young people liked and, you know, we had three or four to choose from. We ended up going with Merrill, but that was just something that we needed a new line because some of the shoe companies that we had were kind of outdated and old. And so we had to see which one we kind of, so we went with one that was, uh, Merrill is owned by the same people that own Bates, Wolverine, I think worldwide or whatever it is. So we went with them. It was easier to get open quicker, but, and then some of the other ones don't want to open you because we have some strong vendors in my area who can command a lot of attention. So you have to also, uh, we want to make sure when they're not, you know, the customer has a, a choice when they come to us. It's not, we can't get, you know, we try to be a little bit different from what we stock and sell. Hmm. And how much of the business um, happens uh, on the telephone or on websites or things like that these days versus, you know, coming into the store um, and talking with people, I would imagine when they come in and talk with them, that's when you're hearing what you were just talking about of this is working for me or this isn't working for me. But yeah. And also the one thing you have to realize is now it's not a good indication with people coming in the store, but some people are just hot. But uh, we try to make it that we try to make the showroom a plus for us. 
And, but we also, since we have, you know, a lot of the inventory is on the showroom, we, we can uh, use it in the store. When it comes to, it's kind of a conglomeration because somebody looks at the website and they're, they're going to have to call up and say, well, with, with this product, can you do this or that? Or, you know, I want to do this with this product. So you have to be able to answer their question. I know we had a customer call from another state the other day, and I think they were just surprised. They were lucky they got me on the phone. Uh, <clears throat> but... Uh, but yeah, you know, I could answer all their questions in two minutes and then nobody had to check on it. So we are about a product. So yeah, that makes a little bit, you know, that helps. But yeah, they were this, so the web page, I'm sure brought it up, but they had to ask about contrast on the garment and things like that. So they had to call and ask because their color contrast was a little bit different. So yeah, they, it's, it's like you said, as we said before, there's so much idiosyncrasies and there's ex- there's so many exceptions to the exception to the rule is exception. There's exceptions to the rule. That's the rule. That's the rule. Right. I love that. And um, I think you're right that the showroom is a, a huge plus and, and customers coming in and talking with you and, and being able to talk to the same person twice, as we were saying, is, is huge for, for Kentucky uniforms, I imagine. And so many companies right now, you know, so like you said, it's not only you can't really judge how many are walking in the store right now because of, of uh, COVID and, and all of the activities and restrictions. And, but most companies right now are really struggling with uh, employees and staff and training and, you know, keeping people. So it's not just the customers coming in, it's, you know, how to keep uh, keep staff. So I know this is an unusual time, but you've also been recruiting, hiring, uh, training people for you know four decades now in this industry. And so, what's what's your approach as a leader and and owner to how do you hire, how do you manage people, how do you recruit people? Do you have any um, any thoughts in those areas? Well. I guess we do look for people that's kind of been in the service industry. This so they have an idea that what it does, and I think we're a little bit uh, when it comes to the food industry. It's I don't say easier, but it's not quite as demanding as when it comes to the peak periods. Our periods we may be busier for a longer period of time, but we won't be as busy. And we just try to tell them that you know it has to do with taking care of the customer. What we can do, we always try to. Dustin does a good job at training them. I mean, he started something. I said, I, he, he will do make-believe phone calls with the person to make sure, mm. you know, with how to do it when they need to check what they need to check on. And it, it's really seemed to be, I've been highly impressed with the way it works. It seems to be the customer. Then when somebody calls up and asks the questions that he's familiar with, we get, you know, 60% or 70% of the time. I'm, I was so-and-so, where's my, you know, when can I expect my order? Has my order been shipped out? that the customer knows how to respond with, you know, no, we don't have it. And all these, all those, all those scenarios or something like that when the customer calls in. So he does a good job working with that. When it comes to training on those sales floor, we usually, you know, we're usually up there with them or they, they, they shadow somebody and they can see how, you know, if I'm there waiting on the customer or maybe I'll, I'll wait on work with them waiting on the sales floor for, they'll see that, you know, we, we do the, try to make sure we take care of them. You know, we go back if they, we tell them if they, when they take their clothes, they'll, in the dressing room, if something doesn't fit, they yell at us, we'll go bet you another size. You don't have to come out and come out and get all those things again. So yeah, it makes it easier. That makes it easier for us and faster, but also the customer didn't have to wander around after the, in other words, their visit, 
which is sometimes good and bad, but yeah. You want them to um, get in and out as quickly as they want to, I would imagine. Right. right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And nice. Then, do you do the, uh, here's some cup of coffee though, for the ones that want to sit You know, that's and- the one thing we had one time when we, we usually used to have coffee and then uh, I guess now people don't want to get anything from anybody or do anything. <laughs> well, but that's true. Yeah. Well, we're, yeah, we're thinking about bringing the, uh, getting one of the little small refrigerators and then having the coffee and stuff out there. But when this starts to slow down again, yeah, it's cause we use, we did a little bit, bit more of that, but you know, people seem to be very, I don't know if it's over-concerned, but, you know, they, they seem to be, I guess, a, a paranoid, a little bit more paranoid about, you know, taking something or having coffee or about anything. About this going back where other people's been or something's clean or not clean. So, yeah, I think we just – but we used to do that, especially in our old – our oldest store was a little bit more that way than this one is, but uh, because the, like it, it was a little bit more open when it came to where our food and everything's carried. We kind of have a – break room so it's a decent size break room so you have a nice open format to your uh showroom or or the retail space though right i do not see when i've seen pictures it's not crowded there's you know plenty of space to move it around and yeah we we put more stuff in there but yeah it's, it's open they can walk around so yeah it's in, in reality it's the biggest showroom for public safety in the state of kentucky nice and that comes to the shock of a lot of people i know we had a federal account come in that we really never done business with us and they were looking to buy something immediately and they couldn't get that thing immediately from somewhere locally somewhere else yeah well there's another example of the showroom working for kentucky uniforms right (laughs) and and that's also i think brings into that's also a service aspect so yeah what are the biggest challenges going on though right now then is it is it getting people to physically come to the store at the moment or um, do you see um, uh, inventory continuing to be um, a, a plus or a minus uh, for your operations? Well, I think the most important thing is getting product, period. Now, it seems like we're starting to get shoes again, but it seems like for three or four months, all the sh- generally across the board, we're having a hard time getting shoes. And so, yeah, I think the biggest thing is trying to, if you can't find a product from one source, being able to source it somewhere else. So uh, I think that's the biggest thing. And, and I think not that the customer doesn't care the product he gets, but sometimes they're just happy they have something they can get that that's may be suffice. Or Because I think during the corona, a lot of departments who had more of a dress style uniform went with cat, more casual pants and polos before they could wash them every day. Because, you know, it was, you're supposed to wash your uniform every day during corona, which I know some of those things have been. Uh, changed, but they, you know, some companies, so, and that kind of made me hurt the more, the more dressy type uniform. We'll see if that comes back once this stuff gets over with. Yeah, that's really interesting. And uh, not surprising, right? That everyone had to pivot in order to deal with washing and keeping um, uh, more of a PPE approach to you know, uh, protecting the front line when they're out there um, on the streets. And, and, and I hear you about the inventory. So, you know, I think that a lot of the manufacturers that I talked to, we all got a bit spoiled at our ability to move product around the planet pretty easily and pretty inexpensively. And then it suddenly, you know, this past year became astronomically expensive in certain cases to, to be moving product around at the front line for you, 
the product wears out, right? So those shoes, you know, if they've been in them every single day for six months and didn't have a desk job, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> then you know they're gonna need a new pair, one way or another. So, right, getting getting get the products in has been a real challenge. Yeah, same thing. We we seem to be doing a pretty good job, and some of the manufacturers we're doing with have been done a lot of done very good so uh we've been very lucky as some, some of the relationships we have and maybe that's what helps the relationship we have with some of these people that they're willing you know they're or we're getting we're getting our product a lot of our products so that helps yeah no doubt that the relationship works both ways that they're transparent with you of yeah, yeah tom yeah. we're struggling in this area but we've got product coming over here and you know if you can if you can sell these for now then you know this will be back in later kind of thing Right. Do you, do you see other parts of the public safety market shifting uh, in the next few years? Do you have predictions of any kind as far as, you know, what they will or won't do based on the lessons we've learned from the past year or few years? Or uh, do you see it pretty much operating the same way it always has? Uh, I was trying to say, I can't see a lot of changes. Uh, yeah. I'm just trying, can't really think of too many that would, that would be dependent upon this, so to speak. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been a steady course. I certainly believe that our employment levels will actually, uh, slowly continue to rise. I do not think that because we expect more and more in the workforce, um, in the coming years. And I think public safety will follow the same, you know, same patterns and, and will continue to grow. What do you think? Well, the thing about public safety right now, they have a lot of people retiring. So with new officers, that means there's more, you know, the new officers require more uniforms than the one that's been on. So, yeah, that that may be a we may see a increase in uniforms just because of the turnover in the police officers. And with all of the unrest in the country, security seems to be up, uh, but they're having a very difficult time, you know, staffing. That's yeah, very true. And so that's, we, we, it seems like there is, you know, we're, and we've been in the last year, we've been pretty busy. I mean, it was, so that's been good. I mean, so our sales have increased since the first, you know, after the first six months of Corona. So we've, seems like we've recovered most of our sales. And you were, I'm sure, deemed an essential business pretty quickly. So stayed open. Right. right yes. The, that was one of the things that was an essential business. It may have to do with somebody else here in the state, but they made darn sure they were essential. Most dealers I've talked to that, you know, that was uh, true across their states as well, because they're serving frontline employees. You're serving. And now we never closed a day. We're within 300 yards of Hake's shoes. I know they they were closed some of the time. So how do you promote your business, Tom? We do some direct mailings. We do. We used to have, you know, our salespeople right now, they haven't been going on the road as much as they used to. We used to be able to go on. I think that's something that maybe my son and I have a disagreement on. I think sometimes personal contact just knowing that there's somebody out there that's wanting to come by and show something. Or then sometimes when you see those accounts, you see what they're wearing or maybe even what they have that's new and you, you can learn from that, or you can show, you know, here's something you can see, maybe have a better sense of what they need than what you do by talking to then talking to them on the telephone. So that that's one way we do some direct mailings. Not direct mail, you know, emails, blast, and mm-hmm. things like that. We should, we can do more, but recently, I mean, now I think we we have an opportunity. We may want to do more, but before, when you're striving to get enough employees, if you have so much business you can't give the service, then you kind of lose 
it's, I don't know what, you don't gain much is what I'm trying to say, I guess, from that. So yeah, we hopefully will be able to, yeah, you, 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 like say, if you can't get product, then it's, it doesn't help. We have, we've, we've got a lot of customers re recently that's come to us. And so that may have been word of mouth. And also uh, it's easier to make a customer happy if they're unhappy with their present supplier. Having someone in having someone in pain is always easier to. Uh... Yeah, yeah, and so, but if you know, if you go in there and you try to steal an account that they're fairly happy, but they, they, you know, and they that so they're not that you don't care if their criteria is higher, but sometimes you know it, it, it's you you don't want to take the accounts unless you can handle them, and right now we want to make sure we can handle them just because if we can't get delivery on things or you know you you may lose the account that you get in six months from now, that would be fantastic. So you just don't want to, don't want to overcommit, I guess the best thing to say right now. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's really good advice and, and a good way to approach it. Would you, would you recommend, um, I mean, so you've got your son in the business, right? <laughs> and uh, what about others graduating from college right now? What about, what about um, people considering starting up? A uniform company um, is it something that if you had to do it over again, Tom, would you do it? Oh, I'm sure we would, but yeah, it's of course you know you don't want to say you've been a, a fool for 40 years, uh, but yeah, no, but no, yeah, it's been enjoyable. Get it gives you amount of freedom while it also kind of is an anchor to what you're doing, but, but to your house or to your store. But yeah, sometimes you have a lot of freedom and that that freedom of your time when it's available to do what you want to do and when you want to do it. So it's been nice in that way. Uh, if they come out, they just have to know you have to do. I was in a, I love to do focus groups with, we used to have a company here that did focus groups. And I always like to go to this to see what one, there were questions they were asking in reference to something. And I, this is something that I've noticed that very few colleges do small business training. Mm. It's more, you know, you're going to be an administrator for IBM or you're going to be this for so-and-so. And then one of the focus groups, that's what another student, a guy said, it didn't have anything to do with this. It was the business they were in. And the guy was saying, well, you know, you, I can only look at it from what my specialty is. I can't look at it from a real overview. And when I went to school, it, they really didn't have a small business type of operation. It was kind of specialized in, you know, you're either an accountant or you're a marketing person or you're a sales pr promotion or whatever. You know, so it was this seemed to be that he said there doesn't seem to be a good general overall education of what you're going to do when you be a, uh, a, a small business owner, because, you know, you got to be ready to do it all and you have to be ready to do it all sometimes in uh, 18 to 20 hours a day. So uh, <laughs> you just can't. Uh, it's not an eight hour job. So that's for sure. I once heard someone talking about what they look for when they're hiring people and they said, you know what? I look to hire English majors from college because they're just taught how to think. The rest of it can be taught, right? You can't teach stupid though, right? And I know that's not a nice word to use these days. People don't like the word stupid, but you know, that you just, you want people that can, that can think and then the rest we can train them on. I, I see the aspect of that, but I just think sometimes, uh, yeah, I don't know. And I will go back to this phraseology that sometimes they believe if they have that quotation marks degree or whatever, they don't have to do some of the dirty work, which would be maybe even menial when it comes to either quotation marks 
waiting on a customer or giving them really good service or something like that. Sometimes people think that's not what the purpose of my education was. And they'll find out, I think it is every time you, anything you do, you, you better rather be ready to do the most basic thing to some of the ones that takes the most, I don't say intelligence, but takes the most thinking. So yeah, it, it's, you know, you, it's, it, it's sometimes it's the little things that count. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's another nuance to it is that, well, depending on how they've been educated or trained previously, will they see their focus as too narrow? It goes back to what you were talking about of, no, I'm a marketing person, right? And, you know, so I'm not going to be able or willing to do this other job, right? Because they've got this specialization in marketing or this specialization in accounting. And as an entrepreneur, uh, which you are as well, you recognize that, hey, you know what, you've got to be willing to do every single job, whether that's, you know, straightening up the bathroom or cleaning up the uh, changing rooms, because, you know, they just need to be vacuumed again, uh, whatever, you know, whatever has to be done. Uh, as an entrepreneur, you've got to do it until such time, of course, that your company grows and you can hire other people to do jobs that you don't necessarily want to do. And then you can keep doing the jobs you want to do. Of course, that's great. But uh, we have to recognize that as entrepreneurs and small business owners, we've got to be willing to do every single job. Am I saying it back correctly? Yeah. Well, and also, I think sometimes, you know, I think it's educational marketing that they, the way they do it, they, they, make people think that once they get the degree, it's the golden key to everything. And a lot of time it's not. And that's, of course, that's their marketing program for they'll get people coming in to get the degree. And so it's kind of a, they have to be willing to know that it's a a lot to do it. So sometimes I think it really would be nice if everybody, it's harder. I asked somebody, I said, you know, what can kids do now? Nobody wants to hire anybody under 18 years of age. Because, you know, there's liability here, liability that, and, you know, you just can't do it because I, I know I used to cut lawns, but, you know, and then for two or three apartments, but now somebody owns two or three apartments, they'd be, they wouldn't hire anybody 14 or 15 years old. My goodness, the liability would be outrageous. And somebody said, well, the only thing I can think of is movie theater, maybe somebody could mm-hmm. work at a younger age, but yeah, you go with it. So I don't know about the growth, I guess grocery stores, but they don't have sackers anymore. So no, we still we still have uh, people what what you're calling sackers that put stuff in bags or stock the shelves. Oh, well, stock the shelves, definitely, yeah. Yeah, I worked at a movie theater when I was in high school, so you're yeah. correct that you know yeah. that that is a and and of course you know quick service food is still and, and they do do that. They have an idea of what service is, and they have an idea about what it is to deal with the public. And I think our public may be a lot nicer than some of the people that they get used to in doing in in food service. Mm-hmm. which is, you know, a plus. That's kind of what I meant before, that in food service, yeah, this is a service industry, but yeah, the people you, you service are maybe a little bit more professional than sometimes, when, you know, when your guy needs a hamburger in, two, in 20 seconds and they're mad if he doesn't get it. So yeah, it's, customer seems to be usually a little bit more easier is not the word to deal with, but more understanding to deal with maybe. The customer may be a little bit more understanding. Would you recommend the uniform industry to that young person? Well, I, I would I can tell them that, you know, I can tell them it's been good to me. And uh, you, the nice thing that I learned about the industry when I, when we, even when I started out, you know, anybody who worked for us, if they've done anything, you know, we asked them what their opinion is, what, what do they feel? Because I think 
you know, they can, they can get back to us. So it's not like you're just doing it. It's not like you're a robot. So you can come in there and we'll ask a question or, you know, is this selling what's going on? Or you think we ought to do this? So I think sometimes, you know, that was the one thing I really liked about it. When I worked for somebody else, they, that's, you know, they were, they, they ask your questions. So you're a great source. The employee is a great source of information. And also, you know, they can figure out if they think something that we, we made, you know, somebody has a good idea. We'll, we'll implement it. I think that makes it feel pretty satisfying than doing somewhere that's where you're sitting down and doing the same thing eight hours a day. And there's nothing you do here in this business, same thing, eight hours a day. There's quite a variety to uh, working at a uniform dealer and distributor to what you got to do every day, right? Yes, sir. Hey, Tom, it was a real pleasure talking with you today. That's Oh, thank you. Enjoyed it. Yeah. And like I said, I think uh, really here, I guess we've kind of Lexington's kind of had with Mr. Bloomfield and then uh, I guess R&R around here. So they had a lot of uniform type stores opening up around here. And fat cameras, I mean, in other words, it's so it's kind of a hotbed for uniforms in this kind of area. So that's, I guess, where we learned a lot. We got to do a lot of stuff. Between Feckheimer, R&R, Galls. Uh, there's Horace Small was in Nashville. And Horace Small. There's been a lot of activity right in your uh, region. And God bless you. Kentucky Uniforms has stuck with it. I try. We've, we managed to do it. Which is a complete testament to the Macaulays. Tom and Pat and now Dustin. And it's awesome. We had a lot of people help us. So yeah, we, we know that it's, it's always a, you know, a team effort within the employees and a team effort when it comes to the manufacturers too. All right. Well, thank you, Rick. Appreciate it, sir. 